0: 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The news never stops. Life goes on around town and around the world. You need a talk show that keeps track of it. A program with bold opinions that's always open to your views. That is this show. Welcome to the Mark Davis Show on 660
1: AM. The answer. And a good morning, everybody. Hour number two on this eighth day of February, 2024. Glad you are here. And you are particularly going to be glad that you are here because it's our opportunity to talk about uh, congressional things. You think you have some things going on in Congress? Oh, there are a few. Uh, Talk about the border. I think we got a few things going on at the border. Oh, there are a few things. Well, how about the Texas congressman from one of the most significant regions of our state down at the border, the 23rd Congressional District Congressman Tony Gonzalez is here. Welcome, sir. How you doing?
2: Good morning, Mark. Thanks for having me on the show.
1: Fantastic to have you. Like, I, I want to ask the, the broadest question ever. What you, what's been your take on the last few days where the Senate offers up a border bill found grossly lacking by many? Speaker Mike Johnson says this thing's dead on arrival and it's dead now. It, should it be dead? And what would be a better thing to do?
2: Yeah, it's it's all very frustrating. And I think many Americans are frustrated with it all. And and what I've I've only been in politics three years. I I retired from the military as a master chief, and then uh, and then jumped into Congress. And everybody in, in politics likes to blame somebody else for the problem. Oh, it's the Senate, or it's the House, or it's the President. In reality, it's everyone's fault. And and I think that's where Americans are. Hey, you know, just find real solutions. Now, what I've said on this border bill, that one, doing nothing is not an option, but doing something just to say you've done something is also not an option. And so what often happens is you find things that are meaningful. There were some meaningful things in that bill. I, I know uh, Senator Langford very well. I know he worked on it very hard. But what happens is sometimes you let others hijack it and then they start adding all this other junk that that made no sense. And it it went from a border security bill into a much broader bill that ultimately got it sunk. so the next step is this: How about we just have Biden do his job if he did that today, this problem would go away
1: is the was the border bill's main flaw, and there are many, but was its main flaw the lack of sufficient wall construction?
2: I don't think so uh, I think a lot of people you know you know interestingly enough. The Biden administration has quietly started to build some wall. They don't talk about it because they don't they don't like to set off their left flank. But they've already quietly have already accepted that that and and every border expert security expert will tell you, you do need a a layer of wall of war infrastructure. What sunk it was this is it was the, the, the discussion was over. How many people? How many people should we allow to come in illegally before we do something? The answer should always be zero, and, and and you should start there and you should end there, and you should focus on okay, how do we how do we expedite people that aren't here illegally? And there was no talk of legal immigration. I think America is going. Hey, look, if you a lot of our families came over the right way, a lot of our families are are doing the right thing. And here you are, you're you're lumping them in the
1: category
2: of the same people that are breaking laws. So that was the flaw. We talked about this 5,000 number. The number should have always been zero.
1: And if you do that 5,000 a day, that's when that's when the problem supposedly really gets bad. That's almost 2 million yes. a year. So do you think that in what's going to be a very interesting and heavily roiled, controversial political year, that this is one of those moments where even centrists and crossover voters, independents, maybe even a couple of honest Democrats know that we have a huge border crisis and it's time for a change in leadership?
2: You are exactly right. There is not one district in the country that isn't impacted by this, whether it's, whether it's you know, uh, North Texas or whether it's South Texas, West Texas, East Texas, we all feel it in some form or fashion. Uh, later today, I'm gonna visit with families uh, that have lost uh, loved ones to fentanyl. So, I mean, this border crisis impacts so many different people. And I think there's more and more political pressure uh, for members to, hey, get off your butt and do something. It may not be perfect, but do something. So I do think there's an op- there is an opportunity if we can craft something that's meaningful. Like I said, you can't just tee it up so that way Democrats can say that they've done something. I'm talking about something small in scope that's meaningful. The deportations to me is the secret sauce. Somebody is here illegally. They do not qualify for asylum. You deport them. I've said to the administration, I sit on the Appropriations Committee uh, with, my, with my good friend Jake Elzey, I've, uh, I've said to the administration, hey, look. I'll give you more money for deportation flights, but you're not going to get any more money for these soft-sided facilities.
1: The 23rd District is down on the border. Congressman Tony Gonzalez is with us. So let's walk through another thing from the last couple of days. Whoops. We tried to impeach Mayorkas. It didn't work, and it looks like there was a glitch in counting the votes. How how did this work out from your perspective?
2: This is the part that's very frustrating, is uh, the House is a majority-led body and it's, it's usually shirts versus skins, and you go down there and, and you, you get something over the finish line. And if you have a problem, you know you have a problem ahead of time, so why put yourself through the embarrassment of it? And we've done this too many times where we've put bills on the floor that we, that we thought maybe kind of might pass. Uh, no, you have to put something on there that you've already whipped hard. You know what the number is. And you're going to get you're going to get win. It, it, t- I think it was very embarrassing for a lot of people, but uh, we are going to try, try, try again. And I think third the third char- the third, tar- uh, third charm uh, third time is the charm to impeach Secretary Meachum. We failed in November. We failed here in February. I think when Steve Scalise comes back next week you're going to see us give it another go
1: one of the uh, the no votes was was to be on the prevailing side so that we can fire this thing up again and i think that was strategic but for uh, congressman mike gallagher ken buck and and the other the the third uh, no vote the, 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 yep. Mike, the Mike Gallagher logic, and it's, it's kind of like Lankford. I like mm-hmm. this guy on so many things. I don't know what the deal is with sure. him on this. He said, look, I, I, I don't want to put the bar down. I don't want to have political impeachments because like Trump was. This is nothing like Trump. The Trump impeachment was political. This was about dereliction of duty.
2: You are 100 percent right. I got asked the question, hey, what, what is it? What is Mayorkas done in order to be impeached? And my response was he's gotten Americans killed. And, and, you know, the Tambunga family, that a smuggler ran into their truck and killed their – killed uh, Alyssa's uh, mother and her seven-year-old daughter. I mean, these stories are happening, not to mention the human smuggling. You've covered it really well, you know, the drugs, you, you name it. So, of course, uh, Secretary Mayorkas, you know, uh, we, we went through everything. We, we had hearing after hearing. It was time for accountability, and I think that's where the American public are. We want accountability. And part of that is the House doing its job. So it was frustrating to see some of these members. Sometimes, I'll tell you this, is sometimes members get in their own way, and you forget that we represent the people. We may have our ideas and our thoughts, but our job is to represent people of our deserts.
1: I want to talk about some military things uh, that, from your background and things and and get to know you a little better because I just appreciate the opportunity to talk. But one, I I can't not uh, cover the 2024 field. Uh, Looks like Trump is Trump is absolutely going to be our nominee. There are people thrilled by that. There's a sliver that's not. There are those who loved his presidency but worry about his electability. Oh, my gosh, there's so many court cases. What are your thoughts? Just what's your crystal ball on how you think 2024 is going to go?
2: Oh, it's going to be a circus. It already has been. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be nasty. I think a lot of people in this country are angry. They want to be angry at somebody and something. Um, I've always viewed it through the lens of how do you bring the country together and solve problems? I I, I spent 20 years in the Navy as a cryptologist. I broke codes for a living. And, and fought terrorists. So I, I want a solution. I, I, you know, the the problem. It's often very easy to identify the problem. We know the economy is in the tank. We know, uh, you know, our our schools are unsafe. We know the border crisis is impacting everybody. What are what are House Republicans going to do about it? What is the Senate going to do about it? What is you know President Trump going to do about it? If we can if we can stay focused on that, I think we will be very successful in this election. But it is going to be. It is going to be a wild ride
1: yeah, there's, there's no doubt which is good for business for me, I guess i don't know, but i just I just want <laughs> good go. things to happen and and it's funny, I've said a few times I want to run this by you that that President Trump brings his personality and the sharp elbows and you all know. those things, but if indeed he is the candidate that offers up borders that work. Fighting crime, better economy, a better education system, gender normalcy, economic sanity. Even with his Uh, personality, he is the normalcy, back to normal standards kind of candidate.
2: You're you're exactly right, and you know what, Mark? You know, uh, uh, Biden, President Biden, sold us, uh, uh, you know, sold us a set of uh, of beans here. You know, he was supposed to be this uh, middle-of-the-road senator that has worked with people and brought people together, and he was quiet, and it was going to be a sleepy kind of uh, uh, presidency. It's been anything but. He has caused more chaos. He's gotten Americans killed in Afghanistan. He's gotten Americans killed in Jordan, not to mention all that he's done to unravel here in the United States. So I think up and down the ballot, Americans are done with him, and they want to change. But it's also important, as a member of the House— I've got my hands filled in the House, right? And so I I stay focused. The House of Representatives, we can't just be blaming other people. We're an equal body of government, and we got to do our damn job, too. And I think you're going to see that next week when we impeach Mayorkas.
1: Congressman Tony Gonzalez is here with a Navy background. Military things are important to you. Let's dive into a couple of things that, that I know that you're up to. There is something that involves a pay change for eligible military families, for families separated uh, duty station separations as part of the Defense Authorization Act. Tell, Give me deep in the weeds on that. What is that and what needs to be done?
2: Yeah, so I spent twenty years in the military. In the military, uh you're you're gone a lot. You you're always you're always uh uh kind of pushed to the edge. Uh family is very important to me. Um uh, uh I just dropped off my two boys at school right before uh getting on. I have six kids in total, so family is everything. And like many military families, we struggle to kind of uh uh pay the bills and so family separation allowance has been at two hundred and fifty dollars for decades. And we were able to to raise it to 400 in the National Defense Authorization Act this year. It's 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 absolutely incredible. But now, believe this: the services are saying they're not going to implement it. So now I got a strong arm pen, the Pentagon, and to go, "Here's the deal: I need you to do your job and make sure families are getting what they're what they're what they're owed." I'm actually headed to uh, Blackland Air Force Base right now. It's in my district. Uh, my district's incredible. Uh, so
1: yeah which the cell towers were uh, on a camp yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, so I'm going there for a graduation today, and i will I'll just tell your audience, I know we give a lot of a flack for the younger generation, this that, or the other, but I'm telling you that there are some of the the brightest patriotic uh this this new generation of warriors, if you will are going to keep America safe for our lifestyle. Well,
1: speaking, of, and it's true, because there are so many things that are critical and weird about our young generation. There are people just like mm-hmm. the ones that you'll be meeting today. And there were 19-year-olds like you. I think you joined the Navy before yeah. you are 20. You said you were a cryptologist, code-breaking. What kind of codes and what 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 was in front of your face? What was that about?
2: You know, and interesting, and and I won't dive too much into it, but I've lived on my own since I was 15, Mark. So um, I I actually dropped out of high school a half credit away from graduating, and I joined the Navy because they had a program where I could get my high school diploma while I was in service. So I go in the Navy. I I go on to get my, my high school diploma, my associates, my bachelor's, my master's. I was halfway through my Ph.D., before getting elected, uh, but what I, and I spent the whole time as a cryptologist, and my job was pretty simple. My job was to uh, locate bad guys, find out who they were, and either capture or kill them. I spent five years in Iraq and Afghanistan doing just that, and so uh, I think back to those skills uh, I guess the Navy has taught me, and it's uh it's trained me well for Congress. The only hard part about Congress is you don't always know
1: who the real enemy is. Yeah. That's how sense. said. Sometimes we have rivals, and, and I like to think in terms of enemies, sometimes obstructions within our own party. <laughs> to, to wrap up, I always look for common ground. Congressman Tony Gonzalez, yes. born just like me, in San Antonio, Texas, yes. so I enjoy that. Hey, and yo, the, and the year before you were born, Congressman, the year before you yes. were born, I earned my diploma from the University of Maryland. What did you do in College Park? What did you do in College Park?
2: I was I was teaching. I love I love to teach. I was teaching I was teaching uh, security studies uh, for a bit there. Uh, I miss that. I miss teaching. We got to find some time to maybe if this border crisis gets under control, I'll get a little time and I can have a side hustle job. Uh, teaching college students again.
1: Well, I, I, I'm i glad they, they let you on campus. When I got my journalism degree in 1970, you know, Carter was president when I got my journalism degree. Oh my it's a liberal state and college is liberal, yeah. but I don't remember any indoctrination or weird bias when I was getting my degree. Lately, I do. Maryland is a people's republic now, and, and that campus is no different. So I'm just glad they let you on to uh, to, 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 to teach national security issues. It says good things.
2: Well, I, I think it's where as conservatives, we have to go, we have to run to the fire, whether it's pro-life issues, whether it's economy issues, security issues, I mean, don't be confrontational, but just offer a different option. That's that's what I, my community is, is predominantly Hispanic. And so I go to a lot of community, a lot of Hispanic folks that have never voted Republican before. And I go, wait a second here, you have the same values as our Republican Party and so the, all that's very exciting. But to your point, I think we run to the fire. We can't let these uh, these colleges indoctrinate
1: our kids. we got to fight back. Yep. If we give up, then they they win automatically. Tony Gonzalez, that's 23rd it. District Congressman. The Twitter X feed is TonyGonzalez4TX. Pleasure to have you, sir. I hope you can do it again. Uh, be safe and God bless. And thanks for fighting the good fight. God bless. That's Tony Gonzalez, Congressman, 23rd District of Texas. Mark Davis, 823. All right, 828. The calendar uh, is cruel sometimes. Uh, I just ram that sentence back in my head. There was Congressman Tony Gonzalez. It's awesome. He's a fully formed grown-up. Yeah, he, was he 40, 43? Yeah, I graduated from college the year before he was born. So there's that. <laughs> Uh speaking of things being fully formed, uh let's talk about John Fetterman's brain. Uh and I mean, this this is nothing but great things. Cause listen, the last uh, you know, most of the last times I was talking about John Fetterman's brain, Democrat senator from Pennsylvania, the, the the talk show topic was is it actually functioning? Uh you know, was it a good look? Was it did it work out well for the people of Pennsylvania? Did a lot of people kind of lie to us about what his condition was, and you know what? They may have. But I'm not gonna lie to you now. He's better. He's not just better in terms of cognition and processing the English language. He's better ideologically. I'll say this again. I don't think I coined this. The guy went to an actual mental hospital and came out less liberal. Uh, Let that resonate. Here is Senator Fetterman, who, again, has, has been a voice of clarity and courage in his party Primarily, and in, 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 in a most noteworthy way, about Israel. So here he is with his party and the left and the Biden White House dog in Israel, and it's like, oh, the Palestinians, the Palestinians, who obviously have concerns. Nobody is blind to what happens when when your leadership starts a war, and then the war actually happens. This is Senator John Fetterman yesterday that is protesting or demanding for a ceasefire let's be honest here why aren't you protesting to bring them all home right now why aren't you demanding that hamas surrenders as well as well too? bring all of these people back home now and this and stop pretending that this is some kind of equivalence here now this is like bring them back that's it so God bless Senator Fetterman. That's great. Absolutely great. Uh, if, if all these people who are pro- oh speaking of protesters, last word on protesters, I think I've made clear uh, that the secretary of state, Antony Blinken, is a snake and a turncoat uh, and, and has betrayed our alliance with Israel. We, we can't have them dehumanizing people. It's a war, sir. It's a war. They're trying to obliterate an evil enemy. You're going to have some innocent death. I'm really sorry. We killed some innocent Germans, too, in trying to get Hitler. Got a problem with that? Anyway, last night at Tony Blinken's house, uh, pro-Hamas protesters screaming, yelling, throwing red paint, yelling, shame on you. Every single one of those people should have been dragged away in handcuffs. All right, 831. Let's head into the newsroom, and we've got a bunch more things I haven't even brought up yet, so grab a line, 866-660-5759. Mark Davis, 660 AM. The answer, here's Nikki Whaley in the newsroom. Sorry, that was abrupt. I always like to fade those up, usually, especially if it's Motley Crue, which uh, sparks the question, hey, Mark, why are you playing Motley Crue? It's, and nothing against these guys. It somewhat missed my wheelhouse. I was more of a mid-70s uh, guy, just in terms of, I mean, all the 80s bands are, I mean, it's, it's funny. When you get to the 80s. I'm more of a Howard Jones, uh, you know, maybe the synth pop, the MTV bands. Did most of my actual rock into the 60s and 70s. So why am I doing this? Why kickstart my heart? Because it's Vince Neil's birthday, baby. I got to say, I got to say, I think I saw it like, a, was it a Vince Neil documentary or a crew documentary or something like that? I don't know how Nikki Six is alive. I mean, we talk a lot about Keith Richards, but I mean, Keith Richards looks at Nikki Sixx and says, <laughs> So I don't even know. Uh, but Vince Neil is 63. But it was, um, I think their final, are, are they back or something? I, are they, but they had a final, one of 12 final concerts, in, and I think it was filmed mostly in Houston, one of the videos, for Home Sweet Home. But, you know, that's just a you know, shout at the devil and, you know, Dr. Feelgood and girls, 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 <laughs> not a lot of subtlety in Motley Crue. <laughs> so happy birthday to Vince Neal. All right. Um, let me let me do a couple of things. Always, um, always at the altar of uh, of topical variety. This is is something that I wanted to bring to you that I, I thought was of great value. And in fact, with President Trump before the uh, the supreme court i mean not literally in person but i mean his case his uh, his his defense against the insanity of the attempts by the state of colorado to uh, to to wipe him off the ballot and why because he objected to what happened in 2020 he knows he got hosed in 2020 by the purposeful weaponization, the opportunistic uh, employment of, uh, of COVID concerns to change rules on the fly, to throw up smoke and fog into the usual procedures in the various states. And so you know how heroic I feel Molly Hemingway is. She wrote a book called Rigged. Uh, a very, an, oft, an often used word, when Molly Hemingway talks about it, she's talking about Zuckerbuck. She's talking about censorship. She's talking about big tech treachery. She's talking about Democrats trying to put Trump in jail. The whole enchilada of ways in which real election interference took place in 20, real election interference is taking place now. So before uh, a House committee, Molly Hemingway, having written that book, it is just I'll just do a little bit of this. We'll stop and start as we go. This is in, enormously clarifying. If you've got people in your life or you hear people on the TV box saying, hey, 2020 was awesome. It was the cleanest, most honest, most scrutinized election ever. And Trump brought all of these challenges in the various states and he lost in all of them. So obviously the 2020 election was perfect. If you, have, if you have somebody in your life saying that, if there's a little voice in your head saying that, listen to this voice for a moment.
3: Thank you for giving me the opportunity to testify today. The American system of self-governance is under attack. Instead of an election day where everyone votes at the same time and with the same full set of information, votes are counted quickly and everyone promptly knows and trusts the outcome, we now have lengthy election seasons that can last months prior to and even after election day. The situation is so absurd that we have presidential and gubernatorial debates weeks after some people have already voted. Instead of having total security and a verifiable chain of custody for ballots being issued, cast, and counted, we flood addresses across the country with tens of millions of unsupervised mail-in ballots months ahead of elections, frequently to locations from which voters, if they're even alive, have long since moved.
1: Molly Hemingway. This this is by the way her book is awesome rigged get it on Amazon like now it's just a wonderful uh, you know set of arrows to have in your quiver if you ever run across anybody. who Twenty twenty was fine stop whining you know and Trump's an insurrectionist for objecting. I, every single bit of this is why he was on righteous ground to say that twenty twenty was a spoiled result.
3: Instead of having election administration that is rigorously nonpartisan and impartial under the law we have allowed the private takeover of government election offices by partisan oligarchs and their armies of activists who use those offices and their authorities to tilt the election toward favored candidates. Instead of voters being able to vote for the candidate of their choice, powerful interests backed by wealthy oligarchs are working to remove the most popular candidate and the ruling party's chief opponent from the ballot in a move reminiscent of Soviet Russia. And if that weren't enough, instead of the top candidates chosen by the people being able to fully engage in a vigorous campaign heading into an election, we have one side actively attempting to throw its opponent in prison and bankrupt his family, again, reminiscent of Soviet Russia. Instead of a system of rule of law that gives Americans the same rights and due process, the Department of Justice and other partisan actors are prosecuting their opposition, whether powerful or lowly, and doing so in places where partisan juries will ensure a quick conviction.
1: This is what lies ahead on the Trump uh, court docket uh, landscape. And uh, it's, it's going to be left up to us as to what we're going to do about it. It's going to be left up to voters as to whether this will be allowed to stand. Uh, there's a little more. Just want every, every every couple of paragraphs is just something to just stop and love on Molly Hemingway a little more. Just a wonderful, wonderful voice of clarity on this issue. And if a minute ago you were thinking, oh, Soviet Russia, really? Isn't that a little hyperbolic? It, it's, it's not. But yesterday we were talking about uh, asylum and we talked about what asylum really is Of. Uh, People applying for asylum, entry to the United States, cannot simply bring my country is dirt poor or my country has gangs. Uh, no, because the, the, the world is dirt poor across much of its landscape and crime is everywhere. So if we do that, we simply will not be able to keep we, – we, we'll, we'll just bring everyone – Just might as well open the borders if those are the criteria. And by the way – the Biden, White House, the left would love for 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 those to be the criteria so that we can get a seething underclass of people could be normalized, legalized, naturalized, and energized to vote for decades for Democrats. That is their plan. it is their plan. But in talking about what asylum really is, asylum is when America opens its doors and opens its arms to people who seek our freedoms when they have been threatened with death or ruin or injury or torture or who knows what because of perhaps what religion they are. If you're not of the favored religion, we're going to kill you. That can be an asylum claim or political repercussions where in some threadbare moonscape of a third world nation, some banana Republic, you are going to be dragged from your home and imprisoned because of whom you support politically. If a country is that evil, that is an asylum claim. And so yesterday, as I was describing this, imagine that. Imagine how horrible it must be to live in a country where that kind of punishment can visit you just for your politics, just for the people you support politically. Are you getting my point? We don't have people dragged out of their homes and beaten for Trump support just yet. But we have people treated brutally by a politically weaponized justice system. We have the candidate himself targeted for exclusion from the ballot. We have millions of voters who will be denied the opportunity to even vote for him if this treachery succeeds. So, don't get all high and mighty about the American status quo right now, about how much better we are than some of those third world Banana Republic moonscapes. Because, in some ways, we have stooped to their level under Biden, stooped to their level with the reins of power in the hands of the left. And part of the 2024 election, part of it is about specific conservative things that we hope people want better tax policy better environmental policy, gender sanity. That's just a human issue. It's not even political to me. Uh, the border is not a political issue. We need one. We ought to have one. That, that's, I don't believe that because I'm a conservative. I don't believe that because I'm a Republican. I believe it because I'm an American. Whew. Anyway, though, part of the the support for Trump in 2024, part of the wave that could bring him Not just a victory, but a resounding victory is going to be people who have had it up to their eyeballs with America brought low to the level of one of those dysfunctional banana republics by leaders who seek to echo the tactics of those terrible, terrible regimes. Molly Hemingway before Congress yesterday.
3: Instead of a free and independent press that shares news and information to help inform voters, we have a press that is almost exclusively the arm of one political party and is so corrupt that it is willing to perpetrate hoax after hoax against opposition party members. Instead of a vibrant public square where Americans can debate issues and express their strongly held views, we have an elaborate censorship industrial complex where the government works hand in hand with tech oligarchs to suppress and blacklist debate on all the important issues that contribute to election outcomes.
1: You will recall the New York Post had the Hunter Biden laptop story and was barred from spreading it. Might that have changed the 2020 election? I don't know. But with so many states, even with the cheating factored in, so many states with the COVID panic uh, numerical irregularities baked in, how many, just just a few thousand states, or just, excuse me, a few thousand votes across four states, just a few thousand votes uh, would have brought us a different result. And we had government. You in, in collusion, want in collusion? There's collusion with big tech seeing to it that um, the th- 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 stories just didn't get out.
3: This is something I know firsthand because our government worked with tech companies to censor me for my election reporting. Allowing just one of these attacks to infect our electoral system would be a crisis. Allowing all of them at the same time is an existential threat to our system of self-government. In my best-selling book on how election administration has been co-opted by groups seeking political power, I reported on a new phenomenon in the 2020 election that has already severely eroded trust and needs to be addressed decisively. In the last presidential election, nonprofit groups with very strong ties to the Democrat Party and funded by one of the world's wealthiest and most powerful men
1: This is a a reference to Zuckerbuck's
3: founder Mark Zuckerberg, took over government election offices, most notably in the Democrat areas of swing states. Since then, the efforts by partisans to further infiltrate government election offices to ensure favorable outcomes have only increased.
1: Molly Hemingway, before Congress yesterday, thought you would enjoy that. 866-660-5759. As we look ahead to 2024, and I know you're driving around thinking, okay, I hope we got this better in 2024. I absolutely believe that we do. How much better? I don't know. And we won't know really until things happen. The solution lies with us in a couple of ways. I always tell people, vote, vote hard, bring as many people with you as possible, because if it ain't close, they can't cheat. And if we have sufficient margins in various states, especially key states, uh, even malfeasance will not prevent the Trump victory. But the other thing you can do is get involved at the precinct level, at the county party level be a poll watcher, Be a, go to your county party and say, look, what can I do? Because all eyes will be open. All hands will be on deck to make sure as best we humanly can that we don't get hosed again like we were last time. 851. All right, 8.57, just a little uh, sliver of info to wrap up this hour and head into the 9 o'clock hour. Among the things, um, well, this this could open a, open a can of worms or, or, a, or a bottle of herbs, as the case may be. It's been a big week for cancer news. Uh, it took Toby Keith from us, and King Charles of England apparently has his battle in front of him. Yeah, uh, King Charles is anti-chemo. We will discuss and they had a talk show segment They're on British talk television, which is just fun and just, OK, I just I want to run that by and see what you think. I want to know what you think about this. I do not spend my days wondering who the next host is of Saturday Night Live, because generally speaking, increasingly, I have no idea who it is. I actually have heard of this guy. His name, this guy coming up this Saturday, is a comedian by the name of Shane Gillis. I remember him because he was in the cast of Saturday Night Live a few years ago for about 10 minutes until they uncovered some old, look out, keep your car on the road, jokes he had told, and they canceled him. So is this the continuing death knell of cancel culture that SNL itself has invited him back when his material remains as edgy as it has always been? And you know what else his, his material remains? I, I, I don't know if he just loves Trump or plans on voting for him, but he dares to take the stand-up comedy stage. By the way, he's not James Austin Johnson, but he does a pretty okay Trump. How many, uh, how many stand-up comics, how many voices in modern comedy today— you know, give, give Trump a little bit of an affectionate ride like this. The night the
0: United States killed the leader of ISIS, Trump comes out of the Situation Room at like midnight in
2: the White House and he walks down that tunnel like he's and gives a press conference, like he's giving a post-game NBA, <laughs> just-killed-a-guy press conference. In front of the whole world,
1: Abu. <laughs> we could hear him crying, I said. Abu, don't cry. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Abu cried, he cried quite a bit. I wouldn't have cried. <laughs> Cry baby Baghdaddy. That's what we were all calling. It. <laughs> so that is Shane Gillis who will uh, who will host SNL. And again, I have my usual lack of caring about who hosts SNL week in and week out, but this is a just a major it's just a major moment of admission that this woke cancel culture poison. Maybe going the way of the dinosaur. We can dream, can't we? All right, let's dream of topics in the 9 o'clock hour. I got some, you got some. Let's bring them together. 866-660-5759. Mark Davis, 859.